be nice if we went easy on each other. But it seems like the people who are close to us often get our worst. Maybe there's reasons for that. Um, Maybe you're just comfortable with them. Maybe you take your guard down around them and you don't with other people. Maybe you take them for granted. There could be a whole slew of... Maybe you have a lot of baggage that you've built up over time and that stuff comes out in like waves when it finally does come out. There's all kinds of reasons that happens. But here's what we can tell you. Uh, We're using this little stool as a reminder that there are three pillars that create a foundation for a healthy relationship. Love, respect, serving. And when you're not easy on each other, these get messed with. And you chip away at a foundation that the relationship needs in order to survive. We're we're doing this series called Iron Man. Because um, Iron Man has three legs, but it's also an endurance race. It goes on for a long time. And if you want to go the distance in your relationship, you'll find a way to protect the foundation. You'll find a way to go easy on each other. Now, last week, we talked about sometimes how we go hard on each other is we use criticism. We use stonewalling and defensiveness and contempt, and it chips away at the foundation. And it's really helpful if you can just find your tendency. Everybody has these. Everybody has these as habits in their life. If you can find your tendency and then go to war with that so you're not comfortable with it just kind of running free in your relationship, you'll be better off. So that's where we started. I wanted to give you a chance to figure out what comes natural to you so that you can start at least understanding, I have got to have a battle against this in our relationship if our relationship's going to succeed. Today, I want to talk about two different kinds of conflict that enter the relationship. Oddly enough, researchers have suggested there are only two kinds. And the scriptures suggest they all come from the same place. They they have the same beginning, they just have different levels. They have different levels. And so uh, what I want to do is I want to try to look at two different types of conflict because if you attempt to solve the conflicts in the same way, you'll fail. You should approach them the same. Both of them should have the same approach. Whatever conflict that you run into, you should have the approach that the scriptures are going to point out. By the way, I know I'm doing a marriage series. But the truths that we're about to talk about are for every relationship. When you go into conflict with a family member, a friend, a coworker, there is a formula that the scriptures say, you got to start this way. But I would tell you this. You start that way. But if you try to solve both in the same way, you will both end up frustrated. So let's start at least with the approach. Let's get that right. Uh, In James chapter 1, he's talking about trials and tribulations. And now some of you may think, yeah, that describes my relationship really well, trials and tribulations. Others are like, no, it's just stress, tension, pressure. Yeah, he's talking about that. You have that kind of stuff going on. And he lays out, a formula in verse 19 of James 1. He says this, 
my dear brothers and sisters, and I love how nobody gets left out. This is for everybody. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. He just gave us a pattern. Did you see it? Quick, slow, slow. Quick, slow, slow. That's the pattern that you've got to have when you enter into any kind of conflict. Quick. Quick to what? Listen. To understand what's going on. To hear them out all the way before you start talking. This could also be used to figure out, if you're listening, you can figure out which type of problem you're facing so that you can choose a different way to go at it. But if you're not listening, you're going to miss all of that. So the first is listen. The second is slow to speak. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you kind of last, last, um, lost track of what they were about to say because you were rep- preparing your rebuttal for them? Um, this sometimes happens when my wife looks at me and goes, would you let me finish? And I'm thinking, there's no need to finish. I already know where you're wrong. I'm trying to help you out here. I'm trying to speed this thing up, right? But all that, all that is, is it's, it's speaking too fast. It didn't give her a chance to be fully heard or fully understood. And then the last one, slow to anger, slow to some sort of emotional discharge. If, if I were to tap one thing that I hear over and over from couples, it would be that the, the arguments that they have start with a flashpoint. Somebody in the relationship has the, the capacity to go from zero to 100 fast. And as, as soon as that relationship enters that cauldron of anger, not much happens. Many of us, if we were honest, have the slow, slick, slow, <laughs> the slow, quick, quick method in our relationships. All the stuff that we should be trying to do, we reverse. But James says, listen, there's a reason for this. You're not going to solve, you're not going to actually diagnose the problem unless you use quick, slow, slow. So what's the pattern real quick? Say it with me. Quick, slow, slow. Um, It's going to save your lives. Trust me. I know this because I know this works in marriage. I have lots of experience. I see this working in relationships outside of that too, and I really think it would be helpful for you there. But I'm just telling you, quick, slow, slow is something that you want to find a way to integrate into your life. Um, I know this because August, last month, third week in August, Tracy and I were headed to Indy. At At that time, we had been married 32 years, seven and a half months. So these kind of things shouldn't happen, right? Um, We have very busy lives. We're involved in some different things, and we find time to connect, to come back and connect with each other, and we kind of make that a priority. But uh, some big issue had come up. It It was pretty significant. We knew it was hanging out there, but we really hadn't had time to even discuss it. And I thought... This three-hour trip down to Indy was going to be a gift from God. Like, we're going to be able to digest this, no distractions. It's going to be fantastic. We have a lot to talk about with it. 
And so um, an hour into the ride, she had some reading to finish for her schoolwork. She closes her schoolwork, looks at me and goes, what do you want to talk about? And I introduced the topic. Kind of excited, like, this is good. We're going to finally get to talk about this thing. And it did not go the way I thought it would go. It did not take long for there to be crying, raised voices, um, all kind. I think we effectively found a way in a short period of time to bring criticism, defensiveness, and stonewalling all into the car with us. Like, we got the job done. I mean, and it, it was going and going, and it didn't look like there was any calm on the horizon. And then I heard her say something. Um, and as soon as I heard her say what she said, we're going to talk about it later. I realized that the thing that we had been talking about this whole time wasn't actually the issue. There was something else that had to be dealt with. So I actually, I, like I backed off. We took a little pause in the conversation. We came back at it after a little while with me coming at it from a different way and we found a way to resolve it. I didn't say we were both happy in the car. We found a way to at least stop having the argument about it. And you know why that happened? Because I was listening enough to hear one thing. Quick, slow, slow works. Who would have thought it? James, thousands of years ago. And he's offering you some help. And I'm, I'm just telling you from experience, if you can find a way, in fact, researchers will tell you, if you follow the opposite mode, you will almost never solve a problem with your spouse. If you choose to go slow, quick, quick, almost no resolutions will enter your relationship. So your only hope is this little formula. So you've got to start there. You've got to start with quick, slow, slow. And then you've got to start diagnosing what kind of problem you're dealing with because there's only two. Now they both come from the same, the same kind of place and I want you to see that. James is going to help us with that too. So in James 4.1, he talks about where these conflicts that we face come from and it's going to be surprising. In James 4.1, he says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you. Now, as soon as I read this, the first thought in my mind is, wait, my wife wasn't born back then. Her name can't possibly be on the list, right? And yet, many of us uh, think when we read a question like that, that the problem lies with them. The problem lies with someone who's doing something it's not how James sees it. He says this, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And then he goes on in verse 2 and he says, you desire but you don't have, so you kill, you covet, so you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. This should simply just make some sense. I want something and I didn't get it. 
I have a desire for it. Now here, I want you to be real careful. I made a list of some things that I think I hear couples say they want, they desire in their relationship. And I want you to tell me, if you hear this list and you think, oh, that is so out of bounds, how disrespectful for anybody to desire that. One, they want to be understood. I, I want to be able to tell you what I'm telling you for you to fully hear it and understand my view of this. They want to be accepted. Like I have a different position than you do on this, but can you still accept me and value me despite our difference here? Sometimes we want things to go a certain way and we didn't get our way and that's enough for it to be. Well, one of the things that happens is that sometimes we want what's normal to happen. It's normal to us and we don't understand why it's not normal to them. And so it causes all kinds of frustration. But when you look at this list, I just want you to understand that all desires that you have, those are not lumped in a bad category. All desires are not wrong. They're not, there's nothing bad about them. But what desires do is they create expectations. They create in you, I have this want, I'm expecting it to turn out this way, and when it doesn't, there's friction. All conflicts work this way. He just kind of detailed this out. But the two different kind of conflicts, although they start the same, they're very different in nature. The first type of conflict that you'll run into in your relationship is pretty standard. In fact, the way for you to identify this thing and the solution to it are the same because it's that simple. You, you can identify it and you can come to a resolution with it. So I, I don't know, did they hand out papers for you guys to fill out? Yeah? Okay, good. Um, I just didn't check on that because everything else was going on. So um, the first problem, write down the word solvable. Write down the word solvable. This is a basic argument, and um, it has four components to it that make it fairly simple for you. One, it's specific. When you have an argument about this thing, it's actually about that thing. There was a chore that you were supposed to do, and you didn't do it. You said you would show up to the kids' game, and you didn't. You, you said this, and something else happened. You intended, but it didn't, or whatever it happens. But when the, when the conversation comes up, that's all the conversation is about. You didn't show up. You said you did, and there's a conversation around that thing. There's no thing from six months ago that's drug into this conversation. It is simply about that issue. Okay, so one is specific. Two, an expectation is revealed. In some cases, the expectation was already there, but in other cases, the person didn't have any idea that that's what you expected. Many of these problems take place because there isn't a level of communication. I expect certain things to be done normal. That's normal to me. And normal was something else to the other person. And so they didn't do it that way. 
And because you didn't communicate what you wanted from them, their inability to read your mind caused real problems. So if you could find a way to say, oh, in this case, this is an opportunity for just to reveal an expectation. I get to show you what I really want. And the other person likes that too because they didn't know. In some cases, they just didn't know what you needed from them. And can I just, from the simplest thing to big things, people need communication on expectation. And I don't know how many people I've run into who say to me, I shouldn't have to communicate this. As soon as you say that, you're saying that they understand normal the way that you do, that your normal is the only right normal, and that you shouldn't have to have the burden to share that with them. And I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter what it is, big or small. If you think I shouldn't have to, you will need to. And you'll do it in an open conversation or in an argument. But it's going to happen. You're going to have to reveal it some way. So this gets revealed, okay? Three, use quick, 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 slow, slow. If you use that formula, if you really listen and understand, you're slow to speak yourself. If you're slow to get emotionally charged up, it's amazing how many problems that you can solve together. So it just uses that simple formula. And then the last thing that allows this, this problem to kind of go away, and it's a little bit different, is it requires some sort of compromise. You just need a compromise of some sort. Now, when I say that, most people think, uh, so we meet in the middle and we, we split it and that's the compromise. That's one of them. That is a compromise. Sometimes the compromise is that I forgive you and I let you try again. Like, I, I know that you didn't mean to do that or you said you didn't mean to do that, but this did happen. But your intentions I'm going to believe in and I'm going to let you try this again. And so there are different ways for you to compromise without, without breaking the bank. You find a way to go, okay. This is the expectation you have. This is how I think I can meet it. Is that acceptable? And boom. You know what? Um, in an argument like this, if you can come to a compromise together, it will leave your relationship and you'll probably never talk about it ever again. Uh, my wife and I have had these over trash. Uh, simple things like that where I didn't, I didn't know that there was an expectation. And as soon as I knew the expectation... I, I became trash boy, and it was no big deal, right? I took care of it from then on, and we, didn't, we, have, not had, we have not had disputes about this. So it's, it was something that was easily solvable, okay? <sighs> the second type. The second type is not so simple. And if you're, if you're in your mind thinking it must be the opposite of solvable, don't, don't run ahead because that's not quite right. But let me try to help um, you identify this problem. So when you're listening in your arguments, you're listening for some key things that will help you understand, oh, this is the second type of argument and it's different. Okay? Number one, this is a reoccurring argument in your relationship. In fact, you may have found yourself saying at one point, 
I don't know why we're talking about this. Nothing's going to change anyway. Don't nudge anybody. Don't look at them. Like, um, this happens in every relationship. But you're looking for the reoccurring thing. Like, it just keeps happening over and over. And it's rubbing you raw and you get irritated. And it could be like, every week we're going to fight about this. And you're having that kind of regularity. It might not be that frequent, but it's happening often, often enough that something has already come to your mind, okay? In this case, the expectation has been clearly communicated. That's why you're frustrated. You've told them as clear as you can what you want from them, and they still don't do it. I'm going to offer you this little piece. I'm not convinced that it's as clear as it can be because there's a piece of the expectation that probably has not been shared that allows that person to respond or react differently. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But it feels like you've, like, it's not, it's not hidden. It's out in the open. And despite my request to you, I'm still not getting you to move in a direction that I want you to move. And here's the thing, the third piece, okay? This is the big one. This represents something bigger. When you have the discussion, you're not discussing the specific thing anymore. You're discussing a bigger issue. When I was driving in the car with my wife, the thing that I heard that made me stop and go, Uh uh-oh, we're dealing with a different kind of problem than what I thought we were. My wife said to me, I don't feel like you respect me. That's a pillar, friends. That's a pillar of the relationship. And if you're dealing with something in a way that doesn't take that serious, it's going to be a problem. Unfortunately, A lot of things get lumped in. Like you start the conversation about trash and it turns into a conversation about respect. Or it turns into a conversation about an insecurity that somebody has. Or it becomes about not feeling cared for or not feeling loved. And all of a sudden, you are talking about something completely different. And it's why. It's why they grab stuff from six months, three years, five years ago, and they drag it forward because they're trying to provide an evidence, a trail that, you know what I've got going on here? I've got a steady stream of these things that represent bigger problems in our relationship than the stupid trash. But most of the time, and I did this for years, most of the time, I'm just trying to solve the problem with the trash. Like if I can come up with a solution for that, we can stop talking about this, right? And I missed that we actually have to talk about something bigger. And if you don't talk about something bigger, it's going to rear its head in the next thing that represents that same problem. So here's the second type. You've got a way to identify it now. If you're using a lot of listening, you'll be able to pick up on these, all right? They represent bigger things. Um, Write this down, perpetual, perpetual. It's the second type of problem. It's not that it has no 
solution, but it's pretty close. It, it just means that you're going to have to find a different way to deal with it because more than likely, it's going to be a reoccurring event in your relationship. It's going to keep coming up over and over. And there's a reason for that. The, I have found that people have a really hard time accepting that there are perpetual problems in their relationship because in our culture, we have become convinced that if I can tell you what's wrong and you just stop doing it, that the problem could be solved. And the problem is that you haven't stopped doing it. So maybe I need to get a new you. And people leave somebody and they go to somebody else but what they find with somebody else is a different set of reoccurring problems. These are in every relationship. And so the question is, well, if, I'm, if we have these things that reoccur over and over, how do we deal with them? Well, let me help you with that. Um, but first, I want to I look back at what James has to say and just remind you that he said even these problems are about the desires that stir within you. And, and here's what I'm going to suggest. They have the same starting place, but they're very different in the desire that they create. So the, the normal kind of argument that you have, this kind of everyday solvable argument, has an expectation that I've created. Well, these has expectations too, but they're different, and here's how they're different. Uh, you can write this down. One, they are rooted in significant differences that you have. These are significant differences that you and I have in the relationship. And I love the word how it says rooted. Like, these are deep within you. Let me give you some examples. I'm going to have five here. Um, Go ahead and put up number one. I'm pretty sure, what do we got? Yeah. How were you raised? How were, that, that is deep-rooted in you. You were raised a certain way to think that normal is this. So were they. But they weren't raised the same way you were, and they have a different view of what normal should be. Personality. They just have different personalities uh, let's keep going. Love languages. Emotional capacities. Communication differences. Like you name it, all of these are different. For my wife and I, we're, like every one of these would be different. Like for our personalities, if I'm standing in a store and I'm in a line, I am assessing how many items are on the belt how fast the person is checking it out, and how much of my life will be wasted in this line. Right? That's all, that's all I'm assessing. My wife, in that same line with me, is assessing who can I talk to. And if she can't find anybody, I swear I've seen this happen, I'm not lying to you, she will pick up a magazine and start talking to the person in the magazine. Oh, how's it going? What? It's personality. It's different. It's deep-seated. By the, by the way, there's one up here that I, I should have put on. I just missed it. But it's just as big. Experiences. 
You have different experiences. And what all of these things have in common, actually, hmm, they have two things in common. They shape you at the core. And most of the time, you didn't choose them. I mean, did you have that capacity? You figured out who was supposed to raise you and you picked your family? Some of you are like, no, I did not. And I got stuck. Hey, that's life. Like, God had a design for that. He placed you with them on purpose. You didn't pick that. When did you decide that you would be an introvert or extrovert? When did you make that choice? When did you decide your different emotional capacity? Like, these are things that God created in you to be. And they are different often. Different from the person that you end up married to. Even different from the friends that you have. At least it used to be that way. It's really weird right now. I'm watching this thing in our culture with friendships and there seems to be very little tolerance for any kind of differences. No difference in talk, no difference in thought. You, and so you only huddle with the people who ascribe to the things that you think or believe. That has not been the way God has designed this thing. He'll actually combine you in marriage with somebody who thinks radically different about the world than you as a means of growing you, of helping you. Now here, I want you to understand this. These are, these are expectations that are grown out of these deep-rooted things in you, but I want to use a different word to describe them. I want to call them dreams. These are dreams that you have. These are, when I got married, I thought life would go this way because of how it is with my family. I thought when we got married that we would communicate this way with each other because that's my communication style and I expected them to have something similar. I thought that we would be able to because we have the same emotional capacity and you have these expectations where you have this, this hope, this dream that life would work out a certain way and when the person that you're with doesn't start lining up with that dream, it's more than just friction. These are contentious arguments, and they happen over and over and over again, and it doesn't take long for people in those kind of situations to start wondering, does this person actually love me? Do they care about me? Because they would have changed this if they, if they really cared. But I want you to think about this for a second. In many times, what you're asking people to change are things that God created them to be. He gave them that personality. He gave them that emotional capacity. He put them in the family that they were in. Now listen, this is not an excuse. You don't get to say, hey, everything's just perpetual and my bad habits get to survive. There's still hard work that you have to do. But I, I just want to put this in the back of your head. In almost all of these cases, 
God's going to be the one who has to bring about the change, not you, because it's deep-rooted. It's not fast. And because of that, it causes real problems in the relationship. There might be a little flex, but if you're expecting for somebody to change their personality to be with you, it's going to be a real problem. In fact, here's what, here's what I have concluded in talking with uh, couple after couple after couple. I've concluded that they came into the relationship thinking, I finally get to be me freely with this person who will accept me. Not realizing that that would be the very place where conflicts would begin. Two people who were being fully themselves because they're just rooted in different experiences, different thoughts, different values. They think differently. And God has this ability to bind you together for the long haul. But doing that is going to require a different set of skills. So as soon as I heard my wife say, I don't feel respected, I knew I was dealing with something that represented something much bigger to her. And so, so we took the break, and I came back, and we started in a different way. And here's some of the things that I used that I'm going to offer up to you. These are, this is how you tackle the second kind of problem, okay? Number one, accept the vast differences that you have. They're different because God created them different. They have a different view of this than you have. And your view is not right just because you think it's normal. So you have this opportunity to be open to a different view and to be grown a little bit. But it starts with, you know what? When I married my wife, I married it all. I married all the good stuff and I married all that deep-rooted stuff that I didn't fully understand that makes us vastly different. But I accept that. So it has to start with a level of acceptance. Two, the goal is to avoid gridlock. It's not that you're going to come up with this beautiful solution and everybody's going to go away happy. The simple thing is I don't want to fight about this every day in my relationship. But it has that possibility because this thing that respect or love or care or this insecurity has this chance to pop up over and over and over again. And if you want to argue about it, there are things that Tracy and I argued about for 10 years every week until God graciously revealed that I didn't have a clue because there were different types of things that were going on. And we just decided we don't want this to define the next 30 years of our marriage together. If we, if we want this to go the distance, if we want this to be, have like an enduring relationship, we can't have this fight every week. So I've got to find a way to accept it and live with it to some degree. And here's the flex part, number three. Um, compromise a little there's a little, there's a little, like, there's wiggle room that you can find. My wife and I have, on that list, not joking, we're different in love languages, in personality, and 
like extreme opposites on personality, didn't have a single same thing on the personality test. Our emotional capacities are also different. So when I come home at night, my idea of a dream evening is we sit quietly with each other and there's no conversation. I can really recharge in that kind of environment. My wife's idea is that we will have long, detailed conversations. And the key word is detailed. She asked me things and I'm like, I don't even know. I don't, I don't keep track of things that closely. I don't know what they were wearing. I don't know the intention that they had. Like, I, I can't help you with this. I don't. It's worse, honey. I don't even care. Like, this is a problem. Like, what are we going to do? And so we've, we've found ways to wiggle. She knows I need quiet. I know that she needs conversation. And so we found times to actually con- like have a conversation, catch up on our day, get that kind of stuff out of the way. And recently, oh my word, recently she started a, I want 10 minutes before you go to sleep to share our feelings. It goes longer than 10 minutes, my friends. And I don't even have that many feelings, but I'm looking for them. And I'm doing it because my wife and I are different, but we're together. And if I want it to be a long, enduring relationship, if I want there to be respect and love that are built into that relationship, then I'm going to give her that 10 minutes plus whatever it takes, and I'm going to engage with her fully. You know what I pray for? I pray that her homework keeps her distracted and that I can fall asleep before she comes in. I know. And sometimes God answers prayer. That's all I can say. But if that doesn't happen, that doesn't happen, I'm going to give her that conversation. And I'm going to do my best to give her the emotional kind of conversation that she needs. Why? Because she is radically different than I am. And for some reason, God thought it was a good idea for the two of us to be together. And if that's going to be the case, there is going to be a reoccurring tension in our relationship around emotional capacity for the rest of our time. And if I want to fight about it, I'll resist. Or if I want to have that kind of be diminished in our relationship, I'll flex. And I've chosen to flex. In my early years, I did not. And I made our marriage miserable. Telling you right now, these things inside your relationship, they're going to reoccur and reoccur because they are deep-seated differences. And I just wish I would have known a long time ago to search for them. See, finally... In this car ride, Tracy says, I don't feel respected. And I finally heard that because I'm using James. I'm using James's formula. I'm trying to listen quick. And I heard her say that. And I knew that we were dealing with a perpetual problem, that there was something going on where she felt like this was like the other things that we've been dealing with, where she hadn't felt heard. And so I tried to find a way to hear her out. And we offered up a a compromise. And you know how that conversation ended? My wife said, this is really difficult because we look at the world so differently. 
And I agreed. And that was it. The, the fight stopped. We haven't had it since. It will happen again. And when it does, if we can identify it early and flex, we'll be okay. My friends, you're going to have conflict in your relationships. It's going to happen. If you would have the courage to figure out which kind of problem you're facing and to change tactics for how you're dealing with it, you could remove these things from causing problems that would undermine your ability to love, respect, and serve each other. And you could create a foundation where you could have the next 30 years great together. But you gotta start, gotta start somewhere. Like I said, 33 years, I'm still dealing with this stuff. I still have habits, you will too, but I'm at war. I'm not, I'm not accepting those things like this is just the way it is. Because I want, I want to have an Iron Man marriage. I want to have friendships with people that last a long time. And it requires a different set of skills than the, ah, this will, I'm just going to tell you and you're going to do it and it'll be solved. I hope you'll have the courage to step in and examine your relationships and come up with a different way forward. Can I pray with you? God, we, um, we have these desires. James is right. Some of these desires that we have are good. But the way that we found a way to talk about them actually chips away at the love and the respect and that the serving that the relationship needs to thrive. So I ask that you would give us courage to find a different way forward, to find a different way to deal with some of these things that are just deep-rooted. We're just so different from each other. And yet, you give us a chance to have a great relationship together. So I ask that you would find a way to stir hearts, to let people take steps towards each other so that they can build enduring relationships. God, open our hearts and our minds that you can direct, guide, that you can say, hey, hey, this is one right here. Help us to find a way to engage quick, slow, slow. And just find simple steps that we can do to honor you. I just ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen.